BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. King Charles celebrates his 74th birthday as the royals step out for Remembrance Day. And it's really one of those reminders of, you know, the royal family's ties with the military and that the military serves king and country, literally, and how the king sort of serves the people. Plus, Christopher Anderson helps us break down season five of The Crown, what's true, what's false, and everything in between. I, I always wonder why, when a story is so riveting and so powerful, and unbelievably dramatic with no embellishment, you know. Why invent conversations that never happened or situations? Plus, royal author and Crown consultant Andrew Morton talks about his episode of the Netflix show and his brand new book, The Queen, Her Life. Well, it was like being transported back in time. It was quite unnerving, quite frankly, because the woman who plays Diana, Elizabeth Debicki, absolutely nailed everything about her, her mannerisms, her gestures, her speech patterns. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and everybody's been talking about the crown. I know, that's that's all we really want to dive into today. And luckily we've got a lot to get into. A lot to get into. But first, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Tea Time with Mima says, please call her Princess Catherine, not Kate. Show a little respect for her. I agree that Meghan Kelly should let that one go. Regarding uh, Meghan Markle calling Prince Harry my husband, I love that Prince William highlights mental health in a way that men can relate to very important cause a lot going on in that comment i get that <laughs> i get that a lot that we we should call her princess catherine so i will do my best going forward <laughs> it's, it's really one of those tricky things i think that there's you know because kate has said call me kate but right. really her name is catherine and it's finding that balance yes i know and the, you know whenever we write about her we call her princess kate so there's always finding um a balance in between but i'll do my best i promise um <laughs> Ali says i much didn't like the ladies playing princess diana or the queen in the crown what were you uh what were your thoughts on that i think that there's so many uh, with every character either you love who they've cast or you hate who they've cast and i think it's because this season we kind of remember these people as you know, from our lifetime as they are in this show. And so I think um, the more I watch it, the less sure I become. I sort of change my opinions like, oh, she's amazing. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, but you're so right. We we, we remember this time. So it's, it's hard right. to separate the two. All right. Well, let's get into our royal roundup and kick it off with uh, William and Princess Catherine releasing a special, special message to commemorate King Charles's 74th birthday. The Prince and Princess of Wales were the first members of the royal family to uh, wish him a happy birthday on Twitter, saying, wishing his majesty the king 
King a very happy birthday today. They also added a photo of King Charles taking during a recent trip to Yorkshire. Well, he also celebrated his birthday by officially taking over as park ranger of Windsor Great Park, a title held by his father, Prince Philip. The palace released a new photo of the king in a park, and it has been 70 years since Philip took on the role from King George. So a lot to celebrate um, this birthday season. I love that new photo of him. I honestly did a double take. I thought it was Prince Philip at first. And I went back and tried to zoom in on Instagram and know it was uh, King Charles III. I think that this is a great... Um, you know, birthday present for him in a way, this new role, which his father held for so long. Um, it's uh, sort of, it's more ceremonial, but it means he'll be involved in, you know, the management of Windsor Great Park, which is, you know, I think a really special place for him. Definitely. And he had a big birthday celebration. They had, um, you know, the uh, the military band and the gun salute. I, I wish this happened for my birthday. Like, <laughs> I know. Where's my changing of the, you know, changing of the guard as they sing happy birthday? <laughs> Seriously. We, we all need a king celebration every now and then. Yes. Um, <laughs> one day before his birthday, King Charles led the royal family at the Remembrance Day Sunday service. He stepped out at the Cenotaph War Memorial in London to honor those who have died in war. He, of course, was followed by his son, Prince William, and his sister, Princess Anne. Um, he laid a new wreath, and for the first time, a wreath was laid on Queen Camilla's behalf um, by an equerry from the royal household. Prince William also laid his first wreath as the Prince of Wales, and his wife, Princess Catherine, watched from the balcony with Camilla. So, um, yes, it's always a beautiful ceremony, Remembrance Day. Of course, Queen Elizabeth did not attend last year because of mobility issues and things like that. But, you know, this is the first time that he is uh, doing so as king. This is um, such a a big event in the royal calendar. It's, you know, one of those things that they just do not miss, which is why it was so difficult that the queen missed last year's ceremony. And it's really one of those reminders of, you know, the royal family's ties with the military and that the military serves king and country, literally, and how the king sort of serves the people. Uh, But it was so moving, I think, to not have Queen Elizabeth there. And she was there and sort of, Um, small ways, you know, Kate wore some of her jewelry. There were lots and lots of pearls. Um, Sophie, the Countess of Wessex wore pearl jewelry that was, you know, so reminiscent of Queen Elizabeth II. And I just think it's every year it's moving, but I think this year it was twice as moving, just, you know, a sign of, of, the change in history. Right. Yeah. The changing of the times. It really was. Well, while um, while they were celebrating over in London, Harry and Meghan were um, sharing their personal message for Remembrance Day, posting on their website a photo from Chris Allerton, who was their wedding photographer, and it showed the couple facing military personnel. They wrote on their Archwell website on this Veterans Day and Remembrance Day, we honor service members across the world. These brave men and women, as well as their families, have made tremendous sacrifices and embody duty and service. We are proud to work with so many organizations that support veterans and military families, including the Invictus Games Foundation, the Mission Continues, Team Rubicon, Scotty's Little Soldiers, and the Greatest Generations Foundation. Today and every day, thank you for your service. Obviously, we know that um, veterans and military means a great deal to Prince Harry, so uh, this is something that he's, you know, not always looks forward to, but always looks forward to recognizing those who have served. Yes, I love that this photo was from um, a recent event tied to the Invictus Games, which Mm -hmm. again is all about honoring um, service members and supporting them. And so, you know, Harry's passion for supporting veterans, service members, those who have 
um, lost family members in combat. It, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that I think really, it's his guiding light, really. I think it's one of the, the projects that he's most passionate about. So I was um, glad to see that he was able to sort of uh, send a message on that day. Definitely. And he also made a surprise visit to Pearl Harbor on Veterans Day as well. So um, that was, you know, something that wasn't, you know, very publicized, but he toured the USS Arizona Memorial. Um, of course, this was a, a, a battleship that was bombed by Japanese forces back in December of 1941. So he was definitely doing his part to um, remember those who have served. Um, so, yeah, so a lot a, a beautiful ceremony, ceremony on all fronts for Remembrance Day. Yes. Definitely. All right. Well, Princess Kate visited Colholm Manor, which is a children's center in Hildington on behalf of the Maternal Mental Health Alliance, a UK charity of which she serves as a patron. She came to see the pivotal impact that an integrated system system of holistic care can have for families navigating perennial mental health issues and to learn more about how the facility is leading the way. She was joined by a mother and baby group during the Royal outing, chatting with moms who benefited from the integrated care system, parents supported by uh, two MMHA member groups, um, Home Start and Birth Companions were also present. Um, so she was joined by midwives, social workers, and they all t- talked about this roundtable about mental health and how mothers can support each other in their community. Yeah, this was um, such a she's done a lot of these. This is really her second hospital visit mm-hmm. um, or sort of, you know, like health. Uh, what do I want to say? Um, like health care visit. Right. Um, Maternal Mental Health Alliance. Uh, supporting new mothers, supporting women who are pregnant, making sure that they have the right support. It's all a part of her um, early childhood research. Um, And I love seeing her meeting with the new moms, cuddling with the babies, but especially this really sweet moment where she met with a little boy and he was admiring her poppy pin. Obviously, a lot of people in the UK wear a bright red poppy pin around this time of year ahead of Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. And the little boy was admiring it. And so she said, "Okay, would you like it? And it's so sweet to watch this video because he does not seem to know what's, you know, like the importance of this. <laughs> hopefully he holds on to that pin. Hopefully. Yes, I think, well, they're um, little flowers that are attached with just a little pin and she gives the pin to mom um, because the pin, you know, is quite sharp and it's just a, it was a funny thing where mom is probably like, and give me the flower. I need to keep this safe. <laughs> yeah, you're holding on to this for quite some time. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Um, Well, this was a story that got a lot of people talking. So King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla, they were in York uh, last week when a protester disrupted their walkabout. So according to social media footage shared by reporters, the onlooker appeared to throw three eggs at Charles, narrowly missing and booed uh, the king. Uh, Camilla stood by slightly behind her husband, also avoiding the eggs. Uh, The Guardian reported that the demonstrator yelled, this country was built on the blood of slaves and argued Charles was not my king before being ushered away by police. He was detained by a group of officers behind barricades set up near um, the Micklegate Bar in York. Uh, So amid all this commotion, others in the crowd could be heard sending messages of support to the royal couple, shouting, God save the king. Um, They were visiting the city to see a new statue of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, So the unveiling took place place at the York Minister Cathedral. But so crazy. I think this is, you know, we've seen a couple of these um, 
protests that we really would never have seen during Queen Elizabeth's reign because the British people had so much respect for her. And it's really, um, I think, growing pains into Charles's new reign. It was crazy for us to see. It was really well managed by the police and the royal protection officers. And Charles and Camilla were not ruffled at all. I mean, I might have been a bit more nervous than they were. If you watch the footage, they seem very cool and collected. Mm -hmm. But I think that these um, protests are just sort of growing pains as we enter this new phase in history and sort of assess what the monarchy means in 2022. Right. I wonder if we're going to be seeing more of this, uh, you know, as royals step out and, you know, not agreeing with, you know, maybe the way that the monarchy is going and aren't afraid to to talk about it. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, d- I think it, it'll be interesting. It's either going to go one way or the other. There's going to be more eggs or people will stop protesting. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's move on and spill some royalty. And obviously, The Crown uh, Season 5 has got everybody talking. I mean, overall, I know the two of us haven't gotten completely through the season yet. Um, you know, two young kids running around, not always easy. But so far, I mean, what are your thoughts so far? And do you feel like they're taking too much liberty with the story? Or do you feel like it's you know striking a good balance i think that one of my biggest issues with um the way that they're doing the crown is that there are so many interesting stories during this time period that they are just skipping over or you know things that i really think are are missing from the storyline that paint the whole picture and again i think that's because a lot of us remember this time in history like we know these things because we remember you know that that time And so I think this season's kind of lacking for me. One of the biggest things that I feel like was just an opportunity missed was during the fire at Windsor Castle. Um, You know, Prince Andrew single-handedly tore down tapestries and carried these massive historic works of art out of the castle while it's burning down. That would have made for great television, but they didn't include that at all. And so there's just been a couple of moments like that where I'm like, how did they miss this? Or why wasn't this included? Or, you know, what are you doing here? No, definitely. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. There's definitely some uh, being like some scratching head moments being like, that didn't or or that didn't even happen. You know, even Prince uh, William going to John May talking about um, abdicating the queen. I don't believe that ever happened. So it was just a lot taking a lot of liberties to to make a a, a good television show, which is what they're doing. And of course, that disclaimer um, made it you know, warned everybody that you don't, don't take it everything for truth, what you're watching, but it is kind of hard to separate the two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's, well, been, fun, it's been fun to watch. <laughs> it has been fun to watch and we're going to break it down even more, you know, say what's true, what's false, what's exaggerated. And to help us uh, do that is of course, our friend and Royal author, Christopher Anderson. Take a look. First off, what struck you the most about this season? Well, I mean, of course, the actors. Uh, I mean, Dominic West um, as Prince Charles. Mm. (laughs) I don't think he didn't nail it the way the previous uh, fellow did, who's uh, Josh O'Connor, who did an amazing job. Uh, But still, it's it's serviceable enough performance. Imelda uh, Staunton, great actress, in my opinion, a little brittle, doesn't have the softness, you know, the the kind of, uh, I don't know. But uh, I I was very impressed by the young actress playing uh, uh, Diane, I have to say. Initially, I thought, not so sure, but boy, did she nail the the mannerisms and the uh, voice, you know. 
the point where Paul Burrow just said the other day he was shocked at how how well she studied Diana's voice patterns and whatnot. But so it's it's interesting. I you know a lot of the things I, I always wonder why when a story is so riveting and so powerful and unbelievably dramatic with no embellishment, you know. Why invent conversations that never happened or situations? And to, to experts, you know, it's a little, uh, you, you notice where the mistakes are. Uh, but I have to say, I, I'm a big fan of The Crown, and I think they do, uh, on the whole, a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinating. I think, yeah, it's so funny. Everyone has such diverse opinions on the actors. I think it's really yeah. to hear everyone's feedback. Um, you've just written a book about King Charles, and you know so much about the royal family, especially this time in history. Is there anything glaring that they've left out of this season? Well, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, there's some specific incidents that I will tell you about that I find fascinating. The series begins and ends, in essence, with the decommissioning of the Royal Yacht Britannia. And this is really a metaphor for the the monarchy. You know, it's really the Queen is seeing this beloved, you know, she would ask what was her favorite poem. Was it Windsor? Was it Sandringham? No, it was actually, she felt most at home on the yacht Britannia. So there's a scene in the beginning in which uh, she confronts John Major, the then prime minister, and she wants it either re-outfitted or a brand new yacht. Um, Indeed, that's somewhat accurate. She kept pushing for a new yacht as recently as a few years ago. And Boris Johnson had a yacht, a $250 million new royal yacht, um, on, on on the drawing boards. It was going to go through. It was going to cost $70 million to run every year. And uh, in comes um, Rishi Sunak, the new prime minister, and, and nixes the idea. I mean, just, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, that, that in, in a time of recession and great economic hardship, we're not going to put a new yacht out there. But the queen was very, very insistent on that. It was going to, it was going to be called the Prince, the HMS Prince Philip, by the way. Um, there's another scene where John Major is cornered by Prince Charles and, and, and the then Prime Minister John Major. And Prince Charles uh, kind of floats the idea of his mother being out of touch and that he, uh, you know, how about basically convincing her to abdicate? That didn't happen. But what did happen, and I think this is kind of amazing, is that after Diana's death in 1998, he did float the idea of abdication. He allowed his, um, uh, you know, he allowed uh, St. James's Palace to, uh, during the making of a documentary to say that Prince Charles would be, quote, privately delighted if the Queen abdicated. Uh, when this got out, the Queen was furious. Uh, she, you know, made Charles publicly apologize for suggesting such a thing because the Queen was 72 years old at the time. And believe me, if she had any intention of abdicating, that was out the window. <laughs> so she stays on the throne, you know, another, what, 24 years or whatever it is. Um, so think little incidents like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think the degree of you know, asking was left out. I think there's one scene in which Diana in 1995 loses control of her brakes of her car, but the green Audi is very accurately portrayed. She goes through a red light. She's worried that she's, this is an assassination attempt. Her brake brakes have been tampered with, but then they kind of leave it there. When in fact, as we know, it came out later that she'd written letters and uh, to her lawyer, Lord Mishkin and others and spoken to others about how she was convinced she would be killed uh, by British uh, intelligence services in a staged uh, car crash or a helicopter accident. And uh, when you put together all these pieces, I think it's just fascinating. We get to see in the show um, Queen Elizabeth's sort of iconic Anna Cerebralis speech um, did the Queen Mother not approve of this? I mean, at the time, what was the, you know, what was the perception from the royal family of the Queen's you know, honesty? 
Yeah, I don't think that, especially the Queen Mother never really uh, felt that uh, can't, being candid was the answer to much of anything. And, and yes, nobody really approved it. But I think that she was in a, in a dark place and in a corner there. Okay? there the comment was made uh, that the only time that um, the Queen was ever seen to cry was when the uh, Royal Yacht Britannia was decommissioned in 1997. That's not true. She was, uh, Andrew said she the first time he saw her cry was when Windsor basically practically burned to the ground and she was standing there, you know, uh, and that, and the speech was made, as you know, in, in the wake of the, uh, the fire. And she was still so raspy and, you know, it was affecting her voice. And it's amazing that she didn't have more serious medical problems because she stood there inhaling smoke for, for hours. You know? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You know, obviously a big uh, story point was, you know, Andrew Morton's book and then the Panorama interview. I mean, was anybody aware of the magnitude of what this Panorama interview entailed? Uh, no, they were taken. They were completely blindsided. They didn't ima- they couldn't have imagined she would go as far as she did and be as candid as she was on so many fronts. She did make that that kind of she stepped back and said there was a future for the monarchy and a future for her. Uh, in it, uh, and Charles as well, even though, um, you know, uh, it, it really was something she regretted doing ultimately because she did not want to push for divorce. She felt the saddest moment of her life of signing the divorce papers because she was turning her children into children of divorce, which is something she always felt the burden of because she was a child of a very bitter divorce. Uh, her parents hated each other. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think anybody really realized how how devastating it would be. Well, let's continue talking about the crown a little bit more. And to help us do that is crown consultant and author of the new book, The Queen, Her Life, Andrew Morton. Of course, if you've watched this season of The Crown, um, Andrew's story is featured on the second episode of the Netflix series because he did write that bombshell book all about Princess Diana. So take a look. Andrew, uh, pleasure to speak with you uh, today. We have so much to talk about. The Queen, uh, Her Life, a beautiful, a beautiful book, a very great read and also the Crown has just been released and you are featured in season five of The Crown. So, I mean, what was that like watching that back for you? Well, it was like being transported back in time. It was quite unnerving, quite frankly, because the woman who plays Diana, Elizabeth Debicki, absolutely nailed everything about her, her mannerisms, her gestures, her speech patterns. And as she was talking about some of the contents of the of the tapes that we made we made a, a half a dozen tapes or so with her discussing her life it it was like being in the room with diana i mean i it was i was i, I don't admit this lightly but i was kind of shaking really with with the uh, um the verisimilitude of it all 
Yeah, I know that you've been a consultant on the crown. So were you a consultant on the crown this season? And did you yeah. um yeah. and did you really was this a hundred percent accurately portrayed as how it went down for between you, James, no. and Diana? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't accurately portrayed in the sense of every last detail, but it was a very detailed and and uh, imaginative portrayal. I mean, for example, my house house wasn't broken into, but my office was broken into. James was knocked off his bicycle, and it, and uh, whilst he was carrying tapes and and so on, uh, and that was in Parliament Square, would you believe, just outside the House of Parliament. Um, uh, so yeah, so so that's all authentic. Did she really call call you Clark Kent? Well, that was my nickname. Yeah, yeah I love because, that because I'm six foot four and wore glasses. <laughs> I think that's so fantastic. I mean, did you realize at the time that your book would cause this cri- start this crisis for the monarchy? Well, what what I was concerned about with the book was making sure it was accurate and authentic, because. I knew from you know, years of being a royal watcher that the palace will find one little mistake and then use that to rubbish everything else. Right. So I knew it was going to be controversial. How controversial, we didn't know. And let me let, let, let me let you into a secret. In February 1992, the book was due out in June 1992, okay. no newspaper was interested in a serialization. No, no booksellers were interested in buying it. And we thought we had a dud on our hands. So it was just a remarkable turnaround that when the book came out, people were queuing outside bookstores to to buy it. Why do you think that was? Did nobody want to, you know? Why did nobody want to do it? Because there'd been lots of books on Diana and and many of them hadn't sold very well. Um, uh, She may have been the... The, the the golden goose who laid the circulation eggs, but right. um, the, the, a lot of booksellers thought, nah, not not this time round. Right, you know, going back to the, they, I mean, they were they were soon, they were soon kicking themselves. Oh, I'm sure they were <laughs> biggest mistake, right? You know, the crown has gotten some heat lately. You know, they had to add disclaimers to the show and things like that. What was your reaction to that as a consultant on the show? Well, I mean, it's quite frankly, I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, it's it, it's a, it's a drama. It's not a documentary. That's been said about ten million times. Not everything in it is going to be authentic. It's about real people who, some of whom, are still alive. But that's the, the modern way with dramas. You know, the the whole thing about the LA Lakers, the winning game on HBO. That's got Jerry Buss and and, and various Lakers. I mean, uh, who probably aren't that happy with it. But it's it's great. It's great uh, and intriguing television. Um, in Britain, we've had all kinds of dramas about, say, for example, the uh, the leader of the Liberal Party, Jeremy Thorpe, and his uh, very, very shenanigans were conveyed in a drama called A Very British Scandal. Um, this, this, there's nothing new about, about, about dramatising recent events. I mean, you know, you, you could... Pr- probably reel off another dozen or so. And um, I think that, ironically, Peter Morgan, the showrunner, has gone out of his way to try and be more sympathetic to Prince Charles, now King Charles, than than some some would argue he deserved. Mm, interesting. So, you know, uh, and also some of the aspects that people got really hot under the collar about, including John Major and Tony Blair, that Charles went to see um, 
John Major with regards to um, changing, uh, uh, encouraging the Queen to abdicate, and, and John Major said that's total poppycock. It probably is. That probably never happened. But there was at the time in 1991 a, dis, a discussion about whether the Queen should abdicate because she'd reached the age of 65. And was it right that she should continue much longer? I mean, for her, for her own shouldn't she have more time on her own, you know, yeah. and retire like like most people did? Um, so it, it's legitimate, but obviously there's poetic license. I mean, and it's willfully naive to think otherwise. And let's segue from the crown to the queen in the sense that, that obviously the queen is central to this to the drama of the crown. Of and for her, it was her worst year. As you said, it was her yeah. Anna Cerebralis. Mm-hmm. And you have the stark image of the queen standing in the ruins of Windsor Castle, and that acts, as far as Peter Morgan's concerned, as a metaphor for the decline and and irrelevance of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's it's during the nineteen nineties, polls were not particularly favourable to the Queen and Prince Charles. Um, there was concern that you know whether he should become um, the king. Right. So. It was it was a torrid time for the Queen, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, she she felt how how many more punches can we take? There was the, first of all there was a Squidgy Gate tapes, yep. mm-hmm. then there was a Camilla Gate tapes, and then there were tapes involving uh, conversations between Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson, and the Queen herself was saying to people, "What have we done to deserve this?" Because this is quite amazing how, I mean, by any standards, it was a remarkable coincidence for three sets of tapes, embarrassing so tapes, to come out within eight months of one another. I mean, even if you didn't believe in conspiracy, if you didn't believe in conspiracy theories, you would have done uh, having uh, been confronted with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the Queen herself just felt, you know, punch drunk with all these things, which were, which were, you know, together with Princess Anne getting divorced, um, Sarah and Andrew, and of course, Charles and Diana all in the same year. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on all those tapes coming out at the same time? Well, I found it very suspicious. As I said to James Gilby, who was um, the, the source of who, of Squidgygate, Mm-hmm. This was a significant conversation between you and Diana. How come the irrelevant, the kind of "I'll see you, see you at seven o'clock, um, hope you've had a nice day" conversation, the quick, how come they weren't ever taped? Yeah. How come it's significant conversations, not just between you and Diana, but between Camilla and Charles, and Charles and Camilla, and between Andy and Fergie? I mean, I found it very, very suspicious. Mm-hmm. So I'm with the Queen on this one. It's it was baffling. It was, and it remains so. Was it ever? Was there ever a conversation, or was it ever in the back of their mind for the Queen to skip over Charles and go to William? You know, obviously with the divorce um, with Diana and things like that. Because I know she tried so hard to salvage that marriage at first. But was there ever conversations or rumblings that that would happen? Well, yeah. I mean, in nineteen ninety, Christmas nineteen ninety one, Diana was reading. The, tra- uh, the 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 chapters that I prepared for her of Diana her true story, but also she was at Sandringham and she reported back that Prince Charles was like a bear with a sore head, because his mother the Queen had 
not indicated in her Christmas broadcast that she might step back, give him more responsibility, which he, he was anticipating. Now, you can dismiss that, or which some will do, or you can say, well, that was a genuine concern. And I'm quite sure the Queen, was, uh, you know, as I say in the book, she was a very shrewd woman mm-hmm. uh, who would have thought to herself, I'm not going to give up the throne for my son with his marriage in this state. Yeah. I mean... If they had been a happily married couple with two glowing sons and every, and the, they were the most popular couple on the planet and their marriage was rock solid, like William and Kate, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the Queen may have given thought to giving more responsibility to her son mm-hmm. at an earlier point in her reign. Yeah. But I, the, I, fact that, the fact that, you know, he, he was adamant that his his mistress was not going to leave the scene mm-hmm. put a, a a distance between himself and the queen for a number of years and once that matter was resolved once they would were, were married in 2005 with the queen's blessing then relations between charles and uh, the queen changed quite dramatically and and you saw that in her later years she yeah. did give a lot more responsibility to Charles, but maybe it would have been a decade earlier. Mm-hmm. How hard did the Queen try to stop this affair with Camilla, if she did at all? Well, like everybody else, like the Queen, like the Queen Mother, they all knew about the the affair that mm-hmm. Charles had with Camilla. Uh, but they all thought, like everybody else, well, first of all, they knew about the, that they all thought that initially that Charles would marry Amanda Natchbull, right? Mm-hmm. Mountbatten's granddaughter, and that was that was the mood music. I mean, uh, Lord Mountbatten was um, convinced that Amanda would marry him, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and when she turned him down, the, okay, the the search was on for for, for a stand-in, mm-hmm. and of course they they finally um, lit upon Diana, um, and. Uh, the Queen, like everybody else at court, assumed that once they were married, that relation the relationship between right. Charles and Camilla would would come to a natural close. Mm-hmm. The fact that four years later he was back with her must have been a, gra- a great disappointment to the Queen. I'm sure. Did the Queen ever forgive? I know after your book came out, they she did try to salvage that relationship between Charles and Diana, and you know, but after the pan- panorama interview, that was over. Yeah. You know, and later on in life, when she found out how the Panorama interview came to be, do you think she ever forgave Diana for doing that? Good question. I mean, I think I think that I think that it probably explained a lot to the Queen about mm-hmm. Diana's behaviour at that time, because she was seeing conspiracies at, at every corner, mm-hmm. um, and she had all she always had done, by the way. But but um, uh, I think it, I think it. it, it Gave, I think it will have given William and Harry solace to know that their mother uh, was you know, being manipulated in this way rather than it, it was just her own personality. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think I think that the, the it would for the Queen. It what it was, uh, but let's let's just step back a minute. It's, uh, Martin Bashir did not twist Diana's arm to mm. say what she said, and that was. The, the, the 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 bit that the queen and the rest of the royal family couldn't forgive the mm-hmm. fact that diana publicly says she didn't have confidence in charles to be king mm-hmm. 
she wanted to be Queen of Hearts, as Princess Margaret said, there's only one queen and it's and it's not a Queen of Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um and so the Queen's policy throughout her reign has been to kick the can down the road yeah. and see what turns up. And she did that very successfully when Princess Margaret wanted to marry Group Captain Peter Townsend, a divorcee, and you know, the time just ended that relationship. Um uh, and and with Diana and Charles, she felt and adhered to what John Major said in the House of Parliament. They're separating, but they've got no plans to divorce. Mm-hmm. So she clung to the idea promulgated by um, John Major that there was still a glimmer of hope. And she invited Diana to family events at Sandringham, Balmoral, et cetera. Uh, and also to s- several state occasions. I mean, it's got to be so weird for him watching back like <laughs> his story. Like he said it was accurate. You know, this a lot of these things happened. I know, but it must have been so weird to be there consulting on the show while someone else is playing yourself. Yeah. And, you know, did you, you know, I, I can't imagine it must no, have been. No, and the actor looked just like him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, how did they cast him so well? Right, oh. seriously. Well, I, I mean, that was, a, obviously it's a, a book that kind of got you know the things in motion you know that's when a lot of things started to implode between charles and diana at least in the public eye yeah all right well let's get into our pint-sized palace and in honor of remembrance day prince harry wrote a letter to scotty's little soldiers a uk charity for bereaved military children and young people of course having lost his mother princess diana at the age of 12 he said in a letter We share a bond even without ever meeting one another because we share in having lost a parent. I know firsthand the pain and grief that comes with loss and want you to know that you are not alone. While difficult feelings will come up today as we pay tribute to heroes like your mom or your dad, I hope you can find comfort and strength in knowing that their love for for you lives and shines on. Whenever you need a reminder of this, I encourage you to lean into your friends at Scotty's Little Soldiers. One of the ways I've learned to cope has been through community and talking about my grief, and it couldn't be more grateful and relieved that you have amazing people walking beside you throughout your journey. We all know some days are harder than others, but together those days are made easier. I mean, I that's so nice. It's so moving. I think that, you know, his his experience of losing his mother combined with, you know, the shared experience he's had speaking with veterans and serving in the military makes him sort of an ideal adult for for these children to, you know, look up to and to hear this message from. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm sure it makes a lot of people feel, you know, a little sense of, um, I don't know what the right right word is. It just makes them feel a little bit more seen and I'm sure a little bit more recognized. And, you know, obviously there's a a group uh, going through the same thing, a group nobody wants to be a part of, but at least they have each other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Royally Us. Please keep commenting. Keep subscribing. Let us know what your thoughts are on The Crown. What uh, what what did they miss? What do you wish was added in? Um, and we, of course, will talk about it all next week. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>